It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.07 on a Saturday morning. It's 50, no, 61 degrees now. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do in your garden here two days before Christmas. Just remember there's one more package I haven't mailed yet. Ashley does not give me much hope that it will come on Christmas Day to the people that it's supposed to be sent to. But nonetheless, we are, we're getting to the last few days before that big holiday comes. What are you going to do with your plants on Christmas Day? Probably not much. Maybe you give some plants. I gave a, an amaryllis to both Jason and to Ashley last Saturday, and they have that. Hopefully that'll bloom for them. If you have plants and things that you would like to ask about your holiday plants, like poinsettias, what to do about the poinsettias now that you have one, what do you do to keep it alive for the holidays, what do you do to get it to bloom again for next year if you want to go that route and try to get your poinsettia to bloom next year, turn the bracts a red color or whatever color you have, then I can give you advice on that. What do you do about Christmas cactus? What do you do about some of the bulbs you might get, even even um, the, the paper white narcissus that smells so good in the house? What can you do with them? If you have a question about any of those things, I have one magic number, 404-872-0750. 404-872-0750 gets you in to ask your question. You'll talk to Ashley for just a minute. Ashley Frasca, of course, screens our calls every Saturday morning. And then she puts you into me in the studio, and I answer your question, and then you can go about your day. This is one garden show where you can get your questions answered while you wait, right here on WSB. I haven't done much this year, or this week, I should say. My garden, of course, is sort of rainy the last couple of days, so I haven't done anything outside. It's sort of foggy, very foggy all day. And the plants don't need much to be done to them. What I have done has engaged the kids down the street to rake leaves. And man, oh man, do we have more leaves than you can shake a stick at. I decided this year there was just no sense in piling more of them in my upper sort of woods lot where I usually pile the leaves and the pine needles and things like that. But I would simply put them in the bags and put them out for the garbage man to take. Of course, this would be the week the garbage man didn't pick up things on Monday like they normally do. But I called the sanitation department in DeKalb County and they said, well, we get all our skips on Friday. We'll have somebody there on Friday. Sure enough, Friday came, and all those 22 bags and garbage cans full of leaves and needles and limbs and things like that, all of them were picked up and off the street. So now we have a nicely, nicely groomed street for the, for the Christmas holiday. Again, 404-872-0750. You know what we need to do, actually, this, this Saturday? Let's do Twitter again. If you have a Twitter account, log on to Twitter and just ask a question there with the hashtag AskWalter. Ask Walter. If you're on Twitter, go there and get that done. Tomorrow, of course, well, not tomorrow, but yeah, well, I guess it is tomorrow. What am I talking about? Tomorrow, Sunday, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution will come to my door. It'll be a full 36 pages like I had last Sunday. They'll have another 36-page uh, coverage of the University of Georgia Bulldogs and what we've done there. Of course, you can get your Atlanta Journal-Constitution or many sources. Mine is home-delivered. Every week, it comes to my house five days, seven days a week. And the guy comes up and puts it by my front door. But you can also get it from racetrack and Kroger stores, of course, and other locations around town. But one of the things you get if you subscribe to the weekly Atlanta Journal-Constitution is 
my column every Thursday. Every Thursday of the paper, back in the living section, I write a column about what to do in your garden. Questions answered there, of course, as well. And so this week, it's all about what to do about the damage done by the snow of last week. Remember the snow? Yeah, you do remember the snow. And so I have a lot of uh, fun talking to people or answering the questions about what do you do when your Japanese maple gets smashed to the ground. <laughs> Another person asked, what is the largest pine tree you would consider straightening? She said, my neighbor wants to straighten a 30-foot tall pine tree. Well, I said, that's crazy. That's cuckoo. You can't get a 30-foot tall pine tree to stand up straight permanently at all. They don't have enough strength to get a new anchoring root system out. They just fall back down again. You straighten it up. You can guy it up. But guying it up, you'll have to do that for Oh, five years easily before you get a good anchor system growing back on it. So I had some fun talking about that as well. 404-872-0750, the number at Lawn and Garden. Our friend in Griffin, Georgia, Nicole, joins us this morning. Hey, Nicole, good morning. Miss R.E. Mr. Nicole, happy, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you. Uh, right back at you, mister. What's going on? Uh, talking about raking leaves. Yeah. Uh, we got other people leave, too. Well, they do blow across the street, and my neighbors, of course, and I sort of have a mutual leaf-raking society where we all rake each other's leaves at different times of the year. So, yeah, we between the three of us, we had the 22 bags of, of leaves out front. That's what I did yesterday, too, and it's important to rake them and to rid, get rid of the old mulch so I don't arbor uh, insect. And uh, people just put mulch on top of mulch, yeah. but... Uh, it's it's not a good idea. I, I like I, I agree with you. I like raking up all the mulch first, and then putting down new leaves, new needles, new pine chips. Sometimes on underneath my plants because you're right. Sometimes there are bugs underneath there. Sometimes there's a layer of sort of undecomposed leaves and things. I like to break up so water can go through. Yes, and the bark they don't you know come back and uh, lay their eggs for the next spring. That's yeah. why people have a hard time with the bark sometimes. Maybe maybe some some lay their eggs in the mulch. Some lay their eggs on sort of the dead stems of things that are above ground because down below ground or down at the soil level, there's a lot of predators down there looking to eat some of those eggs that the bugs might might lay on the mulch. But a lot of times they have a place on the stem of plants that haven't fallen down. That's where some of the eggs get laid too. Uh, Mr. Reeve, I have this big uh, windmill uh, palm tree in the back. Oh wow, cool! Yeah. And it's it's been it's been like eight, ten, or fifteen feet. But anyway, wow. uh, I cut this stuff that come back every year. I was thinking that um, uh, the big dates in California, you uh -huh. know, those California dates, sure. those are windmill palm trees. Well, different palm trees. Yeah, different palms. Sure, date palms different from windmill palms. Go but ahead. The dates are really big. Okay. But yesterday when I cut it, one stem, there's five or six stems that come back every year, but one of them really hard to cut. Then I look at it. Those were a little small date, Mr. Reed. <laughs> and you could eat them. They were just like bitter. Yeah. But uh, I bet the bird loved them because I put them a big stem. And I was thinking, boy, they can be producing. When they get old, they produce more, you think? I think I'm sure they do. I think that's the nature of a palm tree. You get taller and bigger and wider, and it makes those seed clusters, if you like a lack of a better word, the seed clusters that come out of the top of the of the palm. And you have the date palms, as you say, that have edible seeds in them that you harvest and eat. And then you have the other smaller, non-edible, I guess, palm trees that have the little things like you saw. Yeah, you see them in California, it's just incredible. But they're really tall in the air, probably 50 or maybe 100 
feeds Way high. Up sure, 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 sure. And wh- who eats those seeds? Birds. Not many animals want to climb up the trunk of a, a palm tree that high, but birds certainly find those seeds up that high something really delicious, and they eat them and scatter them around. That's how a palm tree you know, I'll do the all this damn with an helicopter. Do what? I'll do all this via date <laughs> helicopter. I think that what they do with date palms is they're not as tall as the queen palms and the other palms that are huge, tall things. But the shorter date palms, they sometimes prune them just to keep them small so you can reach the dates. So you can reach up with a stick and pull the uh, cluster of, of seeds down and harvest the dates there. Sometimes they fall to the ground and people will pick them up off the ground, but mostly the, the ones that fall to the ground are left or picked up for the goats and animals in the, in the farms around there. But the ones that are in the air, you know, held on the clusters above ground, they're the ones that get picked. So they, over the years, they develop new way, uh, bigger, a lot of food, but shorter. Yeah, I'm sure they do. I mean, if you didn't, then there wouldn't be any increase in the types of different dates that you have. And there's, I can't remember now the species names, or not species names, but the variety names of some of the dates. But yeah, there's several variety names of dates that have been done by breeding, by figuring out how to pollinate. And honestly, Nicole, I have no idea how you pollinate the flower of a palm tree. I've never tried, never even thought about it very much, but I'm sure they do some breeding to make them lower to the ground, easier to harvest, bigger fruit, everything you're looking for in an edible plant. Oh, California can grow, Mr. Reed. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible. One, one crop after the other in the same field. Yeah, sure. Know? Sure, sure, sure. I have a, a niece who's in Morocco right now. She's the one who told me about letting the dates fall to the ground to feed the goats and the sheep. And so one of her jobs during the day is to go out to the date pasture, the date field, whatever they call it there, the date forest maybe, and she picks up some of the dates that are on the ground to collect them and feed them to the animals that are in a pen. So that's one of her sort of adventurous things that she does is harvesting dates. My niece does. Where is Morocco? Way over yonder. (laughs) I know she had to fly into Madrid first, and then she went from Madrid, Spain to Morocco, but it's way over there. Our dates are very nutritious because you can eat three or four and you're already full. That's why her date, her sheep are so healthy. She has very healthy looking sheep and goats there. <laughs> they eat dates. Mmm, yum, dates. Yes. Uh, you know, Nicole, we need to go, but I want you to have a date or two or three so you live long and prosper this next year. We look forward to many more conversations together. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your day. And and have Merry a Christmas. Merry Christmas to you as well. It's 617. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the Lawn and Garden advice you need. Malakalikimaka is a thing to say on a bright Hawaiian Christmas day. Ooh, that would be nice. That's the island greeting. That Let's go to Hawaii, Jason. To I'm down. Let's go. Down. Let's jump on that airplane. They got direct flights from Atlanta. We could go to Hawaii. Ashley could come too. We could be there this afternoon, lay out on the beach and celebrate Christmas. And just replay last week's show and go. What a great idea. But the weather's not the same. So, here's a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security today. Foggy this morning. Rain going to come this afternoon. Rain yesterday, some rain this afternoon as well. The high today around, well, it's going to get a little cooler during the evening as the cold front comes in, but in the high 50s this afternoon, overnight lows in the high 40s. Tomorrow, just a mix of clouds, sun, 
High around 55, low in 42. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. I am one of the luckiest persons in the world because Ashley Frasca actually shows up on Saturday mornings after a deadly week of work here at the station doing her professional work on air and on TV. What? What did you do this week, Ashley? I'm really glad I didn't oversleep my Saturday <laughs> alarm, but that's by far the easiest one. Um, Monday through Friday, this week and next, yeah. the alarm goes off at 1.42. 1.42, that's in the a.m. That's in like right after midnight. Yeah, right. and go to bed at like 7 p.m., not 7 a.m. from a long, you know, yeah. overnight. So uh, 1.45, get up, get mm. showered, get dressed, put makeup on, show up at the station, go into the makeup room, get some more makeup caked on my face. What time do you show up at the station? Uh, I have to be up at makeup at 3.45. It only takes about 20 minutes. Come back <laughs> down, go on Channel 2 Action News this morning at 4.30. 4.30. And you have to be bright and perky and cheerful even at 4.30 a.m. Yeah, whether there's a crash to talk about or not, you still got to be on the ball. Oh, Ashley. I say, so TV at 4.30 and then what? TV and radio and B98.5, traffic on all three of those, um, you know, Cox Media Group properties until 9 o'clock. And then bounce over to the studio next door and answer phones for Herman Cain. Although he's on vacation this coming week, so that'll be easy. I will admit that I've never seen you in the 4 o'clock TV uh, segments that you do. I hear you do a fabulous job, and I'm proud of you for doing them. I have heard you, of course, in the mornings when you do traffic here. But one of the things you do that I'm always curious about how you do it is you have pictures of accidents and little quotes like this car shouldn't be over here turned over I hope this person is okay and things like that how do you do that that's really neat the Georgia Department of Transportation has this software that most of the traffic reporters in the city have access to and we have a map full of cameras and I swear there are over a thousand cameras Mm -hmm. at intersections and exits on interstates throughout Metro Atlanta and when we click on the little icon of the camera you get a live video feed of that particular spot so I mean there's one down every exit of I-85 you know out of Gwinnett County Uh And so once the cameras are adjusted and maybe moved around or zoomed in or out, you can actually monitor the accident, what lanes it's blocking, and if police are there. So when we say looking live at the WSB Jam Cam, we really are. You're looking live. But what she does, this is on Twitter, by the way, Ashley Frasca, at Ashley Frasca WSB is Ashley's uh, Twitter handle. And so that's what she tweets out, these pictures with arrows in the comments and be careful and all that kind of stuff. So if you are not on Twitter now, just for the traffic aspect of it, if you're driving into Atlanta from any point north or south of Atlanta, Ashley Frasca WSB on Twitter, and she shows pictures of what's going on. You can watch her Twitter feed as you eat breakfast and then get out knowing that you will be able to follow her and the rest of the traffic team for the rest of the morning to keep you safe and get you to work on time. Or maybe if you're following the Twitter feed and you're eating breakfast, you may just want to bail on breakfast and hurry up and hit the road, depending <laughs> on your here. sector, depending on what you see. So what if you, and the traffic team has a celebration. What is Mark Arrow? He brings in breakfast every day or smiling Mark McKay. What do y'all do for breakfast? Yeah, there's probably two days a week when uh, if it's just really tough and we have just worked our gears off until about 7 a.m., <laughs> we'll go make a breakfast run, whether it's to Chick-fil-A or Panera or something like that. Right. So Mark Aram's off this, this past week and, and this coming week. So I carried the torch, and, and the guys do a great job. When, when you're the person on TV, you have two other people in the traffic center supporting you and kind of producing right. for you. So I had Doug Turnbull and Alex Williams. They did a great job. So the least I could do is buy the guys breakfast of from course. Panera's. Of course. What a sweet co-worker, co-host you are. We have a great time. 
five in the morning. Makeup. You have to make your eyebrows and your lipstick. And all of I just started doing fake lashes. I'm not girly, but they were pretty cool. <laughs> it's 628 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 635, 61 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves. The Georgia Gardener, or whatever you want to do, you tell me, and I'll tell you how to do it better, how to get rid of weeds, how to plant things, how to get things to bloom. If you have any question about your landscape or garden, 404-872-0750, or on Twitter, just put the hashtag AskWalter on your Twitter handle and ask your question. Ashley will read it out to us, and we'll get it answered as well. We go to the phones first this morning with Ken in Covington, who said, well, clover, clover, that's an interesting concept. Hey, Ken, good morning. Good morning. Hey, man, what's up? Well, Merry Christmas to you oh, and the Christmas. staff at WSB, okay? Thank you, sir. You heard me talking a minute ago about actually getting up at one forty-five every day this week. You don't do that, do you, Ken? Uh, no more. No more because I'm a retired tractor trailer driver, oh, okay? Man. man, look at you. What's your question this morning, Ken? Well, where it is is I would like to know how can I get Dutch clover to spread or what, you know, or what do I need to do if I want to sow some? Yeah. And uh, what do I need to do to the ground and the seed I would need for, uh, let's just say, a thousand square foot, okay? So is this for deer or for a lawn, or what are you going to do? Uh, my lawn. Mm. The problem with clovers is that they, many times in the heat of the summertime, will disappear. And so I hate for you in June and July to look out and say, well, that used to be really pretty back in May. There's nothing there right now. It'll come back. Several of, them, several of the clovers or perennials will come back. But, ooh, what are you going to do in the summertime, brother? Uh, it actually does pretty good. You think so? I, I don't see many people doing it that way, but I will tell you springtime is a great time to plant clover now since we're into the winter. Um, you can't plant it deep. That's the one thing I think that the mistake might be made if anyone is planting clover. For sometimes for gardens, you know, do it as a cover crop on top of a, a vegetable garden in the fall. But in springtime, planting clover, you rake the ground real lightly, spread the seeds very thinly. They've got a, I can't remember now how much it is, but it's not much seed per 1,000 square feet. And then just barely sort of tamp it into the ground. You don't want it to be deep. You don't plow the ground or till it up real deeply or anything like that. But you certainly want it to be real shallow on top of the soil. Water it. Usually the time to plant it is when soil temperatures are in the 40s. So that would be sometime in when? Early April is about right. Early April seems about right right for that, Ken. So early April, you plant it, and it sprouts. And by May, it looks gorgeous. It looks wonderful. And you say it's going to look okay in June and July. I say it's going to turn brown and it's sort of yellow and look sort of thin in July. But, hey, prove me wrong. It'll be fine. Well, and what, you just rake over the existing grass? You don't till it or, I mean, do any plowing, you say? Yeah, now, if you've got existing grass, I thought you might be have, you, know, you had a you know un, ungrassed pot that was going to be bare ground. Yeah, if there's existing grass there. 
you should kill that. And since we're planting in the spring, you can. What grass do you have there now? Do you think is it Bermuda or fescue or what's what's growing? Combination of both. Combination <laughs> everything. If it's green now, of course, you can spray it with uh, Roundup, and it'll absorb, and it'll finally kill it three or four weeks later. It'll take a long time for Roundup to work in the cold weather. But you can spray it now and could uh, kill anything that's green. And then in the spring, as early as you see sprouts of anything, any of the weeds that are growing in this plot, spray that and hopefully kill most of that. Then I think then rake it and try to rake off, mow it down as low as your mower will go and rake it, like I said, real, real shallowly and put the seeds out then. Okay. Water a little bit. doesn't require a lot of fertilizer at all. Clover, you probably know this, it makes its own fertilizer. It pulls nitrogen out of the air uh, yes. and puts it in the ground, so it doesn't really require much fertilizer, if any at all. One of the things they will try to sell you, and you should, you should get this when you buy clover seed, is inoculant. And that's a bacteria that you mix right before you plant the seeds, a little powder, a little black powder packet. You mix with the clover seeds, strike it up real good, and scatter the seed. The inoculant is what actually makes the clover able to take nitrogen out of the air and make it into fertilizer. And so you inoculate the seeds, and they, when the seeds sprout and root down, then the inoculant is what helps to make those little nodules of nitrogen on the clover plants. Okay, and if you have time, I will add that uh, my house was built on the old farmland. Sure. And this dust clover has uh, survived for like 40 years, you know? Wow, and never never gone yellow in the summertime. Uh, Not that I recall. Well... Again, July. I want you to call me in July, Ken, and we'll report. We'll get a little report of what's going on there. Okay. All right. I'll talk to you then. It's great talking to you, Ken. I need to go to the next caller, but it's great talking okay. to you. Merry Thank Christmas. You very much. See you soon. Okay. We got David and Tucker on online. Hey, David. Good morning. Merry Christmas to you. Hey, Merry Christmas, Walter. Hey, David. What's up now? Uh well, I'm a little intrigued about the poppy situation. Yeah. Um, I know you can plant them. Uh, now you can plant them in the spring. Yeah. Uh, a friend of mine planted some in a, a large pot two weeks ago, and they're already breaking the surface. Wow, neat, yeah. Uh, and that, that kind of perplexed me as to, well, since they're breaking the surface now, does that mean they're actually going to just be growing up in the winter? They're not going to take months and months to mature what's the deal here it's gonna the foliage will come up in the winter and it will not bloom the poppy won't bloom until it has the right air temperature for it to bloom so soil temperatures as you observe you can be really cold plant them in a pot plant them in the ground a lot of people plant poppy seed back in october november and um the poppy sometimes will sprout a little bitty like half inch long three quarter inch long leaves you can see it and if you have a bare spot where you spread these poppy seed and the little Plants grow, and they grow very slowly during the cold months, but then sometime in March or early, early April, you'll see them start really taking off, and they'll grow bigger, 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 and finally the poppy flowers will emerge, the stems will come up, the poppy flowers on top of the stem, and you got those beautiful poppy seeds and flowers to, to look at, sure. But wow, that's pretty remarkable. It I'm is. I'm surprised the variety of poppies uh, colors available. Yeah, there's corn poppy and Shirley poppy and oriental poppy and you know, the various ones. And David, one of the things that has always been intriguing to me is that 
as you know, morphine, heroin, I guess, and various opioid things come from, originally came from the sap of the oriental poppy. Right. And so lots of people, I'm not going to say who, but lots of people have grown oriental poppies because the flowers are so beautiful. They're just pretty as they can be. And it's always intrigued me of why people didn't here in the U.S. when they're growing these oriental poppies, why they didn't harvest the the uh, sap off the poppy uh, pods and make their own morphine and everything. And it turns out that some people do. And I consulted one of my lawyers to see if this was legal or not. And he said, according to the law, as long as you remain ignorant of the fact that your poppy can produce any kind of addicting uh, drug, then it's perfectly legal for you to grow oriental poppies. But as soon as you admit to anybody, the, the officer who comes by to inquire about what those nice pretty flowers are, or your neighbor, and you say, yeah, I'm going to make me some morphine, it's going to be fun, some opium right here. As soon as you say that, now the poppies become illegal. And you can you know, be put in jail for growing something that produces opium. So you made everyone within the range of your voice a potential criminal. I didn't say anything this morning, David. I didn't say a word, <laughs> including you there in Tucker, Georgia. We get all the Davids in Tucker that have poppies in the front yard and line you up and take you down to the pokey. But that is the case. You have to remain ignorant of the ultimate use of oriental poppies to make it legal to grow oriental poppies and the opium-producing poppies. Wow. Sometimes they call them bread poppy, just so it sort of throws the uh, purchaser off. As you say, oh, the poppy seed, poppy seed poppies, the bread poppies. Yes, that's what we'll grow. But there are oriental poppies. When you got into the different species, I was thinking about the oriental poppies that are so pretty, but another thing they can produce is opium. I'm, um, okay. Well, thank you very much, Walter. Well, yeah, uh, maybe so. Call me from jail. I'll, I'll, I'll bail you out, David. Uh, well, I, well, that's on the record now. <laughs> All right, we'll see you soon. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. It's on the record now. I have said that I would bail David out if he goes to jail for growing the poppies. They're in <clears throat> some part outside of Atlanta. We're not going to let's say where it is. But poppy flowers, of course, are beautiful. And I have, again, known some of my friends who have taken the poppy pods, and uh, I guess they dry them. I don't know what, what they do with them. But they take the pods and dry them, and they make a tea out of it. It's, it's very calming, soporific, and you know, lets them go to sleep. But I really don't know many people who do that. It's just two or three of the wilder people in my crowd that have grown the poppies and brewed the tea out of the poppy seeds. But hey, if anybody in the listening audience has ever grown poppies and has brewed the opium tea, we won't even use your name on the radio. You just tell me, just call in and tell me about your experiences uh, doing that, and we'll find out more about that. I know one of the things that actually I want to talk about this morning is uh, mistletoe. We had a little contest just a minute ago trying to decide whether mistletoe was a lichen, a moss, or uh, what is it, Ashley? I I thought it was a lichen, it's but it a, could be a parasite. It is a parasite. Okay. All right. So in the next break, after this coming break, we'll talk about mistletoe and how it affects trees and whether you should get rid of the mistletoe and how it grows and why it's called mistletoe. All the things you never knew and knew, never knew you wanted to know about mistletoe. We'll talk about that as well. And the berries. Are they good for you or bad for you? Mm, don't put the berries down for any... Anybody can eat them because they're not good for you. See, I would have guessed they were okay. Well, I was just all wrong. All no, wrong. All wrong. All right. All your questions about mistletoe, this is a little bit later. We'll talk about that this morning. Oy, if you want to call and ask a question yourself about mistletoe or about holiday plants or what you should do in your garden, 404-872-0750. On Twitter, 
Again, Twitter is a fun one. If you have a Twitter account, just hashtag AskWalter and ask your question. Ashley will read it out. We'll answer your question this morning. 404-872-0750 or hashtag AskWalter in Twitter. It's 647 and we'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. They call me back, Bill Santa. I make my runs about to break a day. Oh, Jason, 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 the world's greatest lawn and garden music right here every Saturday morning with Backdoor Santa. Quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today, warm, still rainy this afternoon. Cold front coming through tonight, 67 the high today, low 44 overnight as it cools off. Tomorrow, a little bit more sun. I think the clouds tomorrow high in the, what's it going to be, high 55 and low of 32, freezing over Sunday night into Christmas morning. Your full weekend forecast comes within 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. As promised, Ashley and I were talking earlier about what is mistletoe. It's not a lichen. Lichens are just the fungus and the algae that are, go, grow together on the uh, bark of a tree. It's not a moss because moss is a whole different species of plant that grows, but lichen is actually a parasite. And so this parasite growing on the side of the tree, uh, or on a limb of the tree usually, is laid there or planted there, I guess we'd say, by the uh, droppings of birds. Birds love the berries of mistletoe, the little white berries. You've seen them, of course. And those little white berries are really, really delicious to birds, so they'll eat them, but they don't digest the seed completely. And so when the bird is up in the trees and they do have a dropping place, a defecation on top of the limb, that little mistletoe seed will sprout and it'll send a root that goes into the bark, through the bark, and into the cambium layer, into the sap-flowing layer of the tree. And then it gets some energy, of course, from the tree, becoming a parasite, living off of the tree. And then it has the leaves, it branches a couple of times, it has the green leaves of the mistletoe that grows in the top of the tree. It is not generally by a lot of us considered a bad thing for a tree, but you got to think, a parasite in any plant is not a normal thing to happen. In this case, I guess, it's part of nature's, nature's plan for that to happen. But the uh, parasitic nature of the mistletoe is not the thing that hurts the tree. What really hurts the tree is the root weakens that joint where the mistletoe plant and the limb of the tree join each other. Up in oak trees, for instance, it makes the, makes the limb weak. And so limbs can break out because of the mistletoe up there. I talked to a, a tree person just this past week talking about his... Um, tree climbing ability. He is a three-time tree climbing champion here in Georgia. And Chris said that one of the things he likes doing the most is mistletoe pruning. He goes in a tree and takes little cuts and cuts the mistletoe off the limbs and sometimes will take the whole limb out before it drops and falls on your truck or head underneath the tree. And so he does what he calls mistletoe pruning, where he climbs up in the tree and gets all the mistletoe out of trees. And again, mostly because it weakens limbs, not necessarily because it's parasitic to the tree. That's what mistletoe does. The berries. You got mistletoe at your house, Ashley? Do you have some? I've never looked up, but I I don't think so. But how does it... I'm sorry if I missed this, if Mm -hmm. you said it, but how does it select which tree to grow on? It seems not to like the needled evergreens like pine trees. There is a species of mistletoe out west that grows in the needle thing, but not here in Georgia. But mostly it's oaks. I see them in maples sometimes, a few elms, really. But the main tree it seems like it likes is oak trees. I'm not sure why that is. 
I mean, birds are just as likely to be in different kinds of trees around the city, but oak trees are the ones that have the, the um, mistletoe growing in most likely. And when I was a kid, one of the things that we would do would take a gun out, basically a twenty two or a shotgun, and shoot mistletoe out of the tree. And the little shreds of mistletoe that would fall out of the tree, we'd take that to our mother and say, Mommy, kiss me. And you know, hold it above our head, of course, and my mother would give us a little smooch for blowing the, blowing the mistletoe out of the top of a tree. But nowadays, the disclaimer is if you have neighbors nearby, that is not <laughs> the recommended way to do, do it. do that, right. Actually, you, to be truthful, I, during the year, will note trees that have mistletoe down close enough to the ground that I could reach it and actually get some if I needed some. And there are two trees between me and Tucker that have mistletoe real close to the ground. So if you should need some emergency mistletoe, I know where to get some. Headed that way. No guns, no anything needed for it. Right. We'll see about that. It's 6.57 at News Talk WSB. The phone number on Lawn and Garden, 404-872-0750, or hashtag AskWalter on Twitter. We'll be back after news. 